Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a really interesting thing that I've seen play out. 10% of your audience will pay 10 times more. If you had 10 mentoring clients paying $1,500, one of them would pay $15,000. I figured out what things are important to focus on and then got rid of all the rest. Two is I built a team. I just couldn't do it by myself. And the other thing that made a huge difference is having the right business model. You could be a great engine, but if you're in the wrong vehicle, it's no good. If you can identify what those things are that are making all the impact and stop doing the other ones, and that applies to team, it applies to customers, and it applies to your own habits and routines. It is work less, make more, but it takes effort and you have to have a scoring system. Identify which ones give you the joy, which ones refer you people, which ones can you get the most profound results from, which ones pay you the best. I'm just curious also, how much do you charge for one-to-one even though it feels a bit uncomfortable i love it one of the mistakes i made was i charge way too little for way too long but there's something that i do that's quite different to almost every coaching program and when people first hear about it they think this is a bit unusual this is what i do welcome to the inspired evolution I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us today, Inspiring Our Evolution, James Schramko. James, how are you there, brother? Yeah, good. Thanks, Amrit. It's uh, good to see that excitement come through. (laughs) <laughs> you sound surprised, like I wouldn't be excited to see you. What, what, wait, wait, what? <laughs> well, I saw one of your other podcasts and I saw that um, that giddy-up introduction and I thought, whoa, okay, here we go. I know what to expect. This is, 
this is um this is what we're getting into. Well, you did you did acknowledge that I'm from Melbourne, and so you know we were talking coffee before, and you know I'm not sure if you get coffee as good as we do. So here I am trying to uh, perk you up a little bit <laughs> all the way up to Noosa, mate. <laughs> Coffee's pretty good up here. We can actually import it from interstate as well, and I make it at home with a beautiful. I've got this amazing German-made coffee machine. It's like the Italian ones, but really reliable. It's like the, it's it's like an AMG version of a coffee machine. The ones I had before were kind of more like Ferrari. They were they were good when they worked, but they needed yeah. a lot of servicing. But when they didn't, they yeah, they it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It's like where's that French press again? You know, we got to uh, call in the French. We need we need backup. <laughs> it's interesting, man. I um, I I often share with people when the, when we're starting out the podcast. It's like my intention with the podcast was actually to interview people such as yourself every week um, to do what I thought basically would happen is you guys are the German machines, the guests that I get on the show. And fundamentally what would happen is I would do, this is how an engineer thinks, right? I would do what China does to Germany's machines is basically take them apart bit by bit, put them back together bit by bit, and then re-engineer like a Chinese version of that that I can produce on mass or maybe even just one mass of one in my life to sort of re-engineer the well-oiled German machine and just create the, the Chinese counterpart, which, you know, maybe isn't so polite to China, but they do a really good job at mass production. So that's what I was hoping to achieve with the podcast. And here we are today actually having these conversations. I would have done that the same metaphor, but I would have used Japan because that's exactly what they did to the Americans with um, brands like Lexus, which most people don't realize stands for Luxury Export US. And they sent their kids into into American households under student exchange and they learnt about Americans' preference for comfort and quietness and uh, and then they were able to produce uh, fantastic engineering, you know, Japanese high-level engineering and send them into the American market at a much lower cost per unit and absolutely decimated the big American companies who, um, this is really interesting and, and you could probably relate to this as a global citizen I read on your website, uh, the bulk of the board of directors of those large American car manufacturers did not hold a passport. They just didn't go outside the country, so they were completely oblivious. And guess where the training ground was for for um, Japan? It was Australia, the second most competitive market in the world. They came here to learn how to be aggressive in marketing, and then they they just Throw took the fight the to the, and the big markets. Yeah, and you know, and we all love Toyota now, and it's the most profitable car company on the planet. Yeah, I actually was. Because uh, I, I drive a Toyota actually, um, <clears throat> and I was looking at it and I was like, "Holy crap! Like my car actually is worth exactly as much as I paid for it, like six, seven years ago." And I was like, "What happened?" Like, and I'm looking at you know my old man bought a Ford, and it's you know it's depreciated like seventy percent, and I'm like, "How the how am I at like ninety five percent of my value this far into it?" And it's really interesting just to sort of see. Um, yeah, just the products that Toyota creates and the market sort of perception and value that it has in Australia as well, especially because Australia does have a bit of that, you know, sort of rugged sort of exterior perspective from people and, you know. But we, well, we are literally Land crews are taking us to Coles around the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've got a Toyota four-wheel drive and it's really well appreciated up where I live here. There's so much beach and bush and places you can go and and. They're revered. I mean, pretty much every young Australian, every tradie up here has a, a turbo diesel cab chassis. Like it's just the standard currency. 
Yeah, I love that. Mate, your background actually a little bit in cars, um, but maybe for those tuning in, give us a bit of a context because your experience with cars was also is where your experience of sales hit you, but you actually had um, some background in like way before that even as well. Um, can you introduce us to, yeah, just the context that informs uh, James, because you've worked with some really incredible people, uh, Pat Flynn, um, Ezra Firestone, some of these people that are having a massive impact on the world and they attribute their success in some parts to yourself as well. So I just love to, um, yeah, just, just so people know that it isn't just, Hey, one hit wonder, like here, James has just sort of woken up today and he's just amazing at what he does. And you just manage that because your story actually, you work to get where you are. Um, and I'm just conscious that today's podcast is probably going to be called work less, make more. But it sounds kind of like, oh, yeah, James is just, you know, Aussie, lazy (laughs) and doesn't, you know, hasn't really paid his dues to be able to claim that actually there is a different way to work less and make more. So, yeah, could you cover some of the the context for us, mate? Yeah, sure. I mean, sometimes I actually give away my book and we run ads to it and some people uh, have disbelief around that concept. So I I get it. And also people listen to the now version of me and it's it's pretty easy for them to misinterpret me as being blasé about work or whatever, but it wasn't like that. I'll give you the very, very short overview. I grew up in a nice, uh, well, actually I was born in Melbourne. Uh, we moved, my dad was running a, a bulk haulage division down there and, and then they moved back to Sydney when I was about five. We started off in Manly and then we moved to Mossman, which is a really wealthy suburb in Australia, high cost of living. Uh, I went to a great private school and so I had a pretty wealthy upbringing. I had good parents and and a loving upbringing. Then there was an economic uh, fallout. There was a a big problem. There was a recession and we lost access to our nice car and our nice home and the nice everything. And I actually went from studying accounting to getting a job in debt collection. And so I started with corporate debt collection. I was on the telephone asking people for money. And after going quite well with that on the telephone, because I'd learned some skills from my grandfather and his timber broking business, where I was working part-time, uh, I ended up in a, a bigger company, General Motors Acceptance Corporation. And I ended up doing debt collection on the phone there and, and went well with that. And then I ended up in the field and now I'm doing repossessions and I'm driving around to car dealers auditing their floor plan. I'm making sure all the cars that they'd financed from us were actually still in stock. So I had to go and tick off cars for a living. I did a lot of kilometers uh, or miles every single day in that role out in the field. I was pretty young too. I was in my 20s, early 20s, 21, 20. And then I needed needed to sort of get out of that because they put me back in the office and it was a bit boring. I was doing like finance, refinancing contracts and stuff. So I went into the very exciting technology world at Vodafone which was just starting with digital telephones in Australia in 1993. We were well ahead of the US market. And that gave me the feel of working for a vibrant, exciting startup. And they brought in all the very best salespeople from all these uh, different companies, telecommunication companies and Xerox in particular. And they were going out to the market selling these these phones, these big phones for like $1,700 on a contract. This had never happened in Australia before. and I was in an administration role, but around about this time, uh, we started a family and I realized that I needed to increase my income. I was on $35,000 a year. 
my wife was on $35,000 a year and now there's going to be three of us and potentially uh, that'll be my income. So I needed a job in sales. So I scrambled to get a job in sales. I asked them if they'd promote me and they said, no, sorry, you're really good at the job you do. The other person who was doing your job has unfortunately been in an accident. So you're going to have to do that job. Be our, be our workhorse, yeah. So I went across the road to Toyota, as it, as it uh, coincidentally turns out, and applied for a sales role and they rejected me. So I went to my next interview down the road at BMW and I convinced them that I absolutely have to have this job. And I beat off like 38 other candidates and they gave me this this sales role. It's 23 years old, about to have a baby in the next like six months. And I worked so hard. Within a year of that job, I was the number one BMW salesperson in the whole of Australia. And then uh, about one more year later, I left that role and went to Mercedes-Benz, which was considered an upgrade. I actually, I got to to not work Sundays because of that move. And within a year at Mercedes-Benz, I was the number one Mercedes-Benz salesperson in Australia. So it was about then I realized, well, I've actually got something here. It's not just the brand or the location. And then they promoted me to sales manager. And I did really well with that. And I got sales manager of the year. And I had three of my four salespeople were in the top four. Uh, and then they promoted me to go to another dealership that Mercedes-Benz said, we need you to go to this other dealership and we need you to turn it around because it's run into the ground. And if they can't fix it, we'll take it from them. So I went in as a general sales manager and I, I turned that around and it, I was there for about four years and I worked for some crazy, like absolute maniac bosses, <laughs> whole stories around that. We built up a team from, there was six duds when I started there in the sales team and we built it up to 21 salespeople and a bunch of managers and stuff. And we went from last to first in customer satisfaction. In my final role, uh, Mercedes-Benz asked me to go to another dealership, which was closer to my home. And they told this owner of the business, you need to hire this guy. You need to pay him more than what he gets paid where he is or else we'll take the franchise from you. And so he did. And I spent my last four and a half years there. And about two and a half years before the end, I realized that I, I needed my own business. I've got all these wealthy Mercedes-Benz clients. The bulk of them have their own business. They, they seem to be able to play golf or go on their yacht or access things that I can't as an employee. I'm grinding it out here and I'm limited to my income. I had a really good wage. Like this is where my story is different to the park bench bankrupt drunk, right? I'm getting paid $300,000 a year. And it, it, and most people, when they hear that, they're like, why, why would you quit that? That's actually enough money to live off. And um, for context, a house in Sydney costs about a million dollars at this time. So it really wasn't that much. And I have four kids by this point. Yeah, and then so, you also, <clears throat> yeah, sorry to interject, but right. yeah, I'm, I do want you to continue. But yeah, even the 300 grand and then you've got the tax that comes out of that. at that well, tax half bracket, of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, the tax right. that comes out of that. And then, like you said, the mortgage that comes out of it. And, and then, then the investment that, property and some and shares that four, are geared. Four kids. like Yeah. Four kids is expensive. Yeah. And so um, I just sort of said about thinking the internet's, the internet's got potential. I feel like the internet's important to understand. So I started trying to teach myself how to build a website and it was a massive struggle. I'm, I'm now burning the candle at both ends. I'm working my day job as a general manager, my night job. Uh, it's like an IT tech, you know, like rolling out the cable, plugging it into the phone line. Which lines up perfectly to your background up until this point as well. 
I'm just like, I'm not an IT person. I, I, I can't even type. Like seriously, I'm so flawed when it comes to being able to, to get things done. And, and it turns out this massive struggle to build a website was my blessing because the, the first thing that I really had traction in was finding some software after trying multiple different, like I literally had a Goldilocks story. This one's too hard. This one's too crap. This one is perfect. And when I was so excited about it, I built a demo site to, to, to learn all the features. And then I started sharing this with everyone, like soccer parents and everyone like this thing, you can build a website. And finally I made an affiliate commission with it. And then I started selling more of it. And that was my pathway forward. And I became good at affiliate marketing as I taught myself how to put a website live and how to drive traffic to it, how to uh, do SEO, how to write copywriting and stuff. I just learned it all myself, which was also a major handicap because that slowed down my growth. If someone was listening to us today, I would never advise them to go and learn how to build a website. And I would say there's so much accessible labor and resource that we can just, we can access it today. So it's pretty slow to invest and slow to gear up, but I was also maxed out, right? So eventually my, my trigger point was that I will quit my job when I can reach my job income with my online business. And it took me two and a half years to do that. And it actually took me, um, it took me almost that entire time to get to half my income. And then the last six weeks, I was able to double it to get there quickly. Whoa, right. Actually, so there, really? there was, there was two major, two major jumps where I, I doubled and then I doubled again. And that was like, Oh, I'm here now. And I quit. And when I look back and that was 15 years ago, this is in 2008, I think, gosh, that was incredibly brave and bold <laughs> and maybe a bit risky. Uh, and you know, my life is, is so different now. I can't even describe it, but there are a couple of things that I did that, that made such a difference that allowed me to end up with the concept that uh, has become work less, make more. And if I were to say like a couple of them, which you can expand on yeah, as much as you want. Sharing them. Yeah, if you don't mind sharing them, that'd be gross. One is that I figured out what things are important to focus on and then got rid of all the rest. Uh, two is I built a team. I just couldn't do it by myself. So that's that would I would say that is both of those are leverage. Leverage in doing the right things, leverage in having people help me. And the other thing that made a huge difference is having the right business model because the you could be a great engine, but if you're in the wrong vehicle, it's no good. Like you could be a big block V8 Chevy sitting in a boat in somebody's backyard out in the country and you never get to shine, right? Or you could be in a tow truck picking up cars every single day, making a whole lot of money. So how you use that engine of you is critical. And a lot of people are wasting their engine in the wrong vehicle. And for me, when I was an employee, I was a powerful engine, but I was really only just helping someone else's vehicle move along and, and I got no uh, residual value that I could sell. I got no leverage from that at all. I was literally paid by the hour if, if you break it down. And the day that I walked out of that place, I got my long service leave or my, not my long service leave, but my holiday leave, et cetera. And that's it. No more. End, end of it, you know, hand the keys back and, uh, and it ends. But So now I really like to build and store value in, in different vehicles that uh, that pay well. There's three massive topics of conversation there around picking the right model, um, 
how to basically focus on what we want to refine down into and how to build a team. And I guess that's where we're going to go. But part of me wants to, (laughs) doesn't want to acknowledge this, but I promised you at the beginning of this episode that I'm going to be hyper coachable and humbleness is what I'm coming to this episode with today. Literally, I was up to, I podcast this morning started at 6 a.m. and I was up till 12.30 working on my website. That's it's I mean it's funny but sad at the same time. <laughs> it's funny but it's not. It's like, funny but I, it's not. Cuz when you were saying that, that I was kind of like just I was just I was kind of just like just trying to slap myself here. I got and I'll so, share this one with you and I, I want to say this I don't want to get too much hate for this but the the conversation with my wife this morning as we drove back from Kindy where I dropped my daughter off. She's like what do you mean you've got a podcast on a Friday? And I'm like, it's, it was scheduled before and it was just the, the time frame of that the host was able to do it. She's like, but you don't do work on Friday. I'm like, I know, but let's just do this one on the Friday because remember when your flight got moved and I had to move the thing, then that, that's what happened, right? It's very unusual for us to do anything outside of Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. So you become so strict about your routine that this would be an anomaly. Uh, so. I would suggest yeah, that's a really good place to start is to think about, you know, I can't imagine that working on your website lights you up with passion and joy because it didn't for me, unless you're really technical and you love it. And there are those people, but if that were true, you would probably have a website development business. Yeah. Which I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I clearly don't. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it is, Actually, it's it's frustrating as well because when you start talking about team and I'm conscious that I want to sort of have a bit of structure to the podcast, I don't want to start with team, but yeah, just recognizing that there are bits that I can delegate and I think therein lies one of the challenges around, for me, what I've found, and maybe you can you know coach me through this, I find before I get focused on team, model is probably the right place to start because... I love having, I don't really want a massive team. I've come to know that because I've had six people around the podcast before and it was getting to a bit where it was like, it was a bit too disparate for the size of the podcast that we were and wasn't necessary. And subsequently we've consolidated it to two team members and they do a lot. Um, But I kind of like the intimacy also because I'm a bit of a trippy dippy hippie and I kind of like, like me really knowing that person, that person really knowing me and they're invested in the podcast for like, 10 years and I'm invested in the podcast for 10 years, Min, and we're like on this journey together and it's just, I like the passion vibes, right? So I've engineered that down to two people in the podcasting team at least. Um, But even in there, like I'm conscious that we're only able really to do as much given how much financial fluidity I have actually around the podcast and the business, because even right now I'll just be completely transparent. Like again, be humble. And we want to do three podcasts a week. We really want to do it. Um, but my financial systems can't afford to support my editing team and my booking, my booker to book three podcasts a week. I can only afford to launch two podcasts a week. Um, and we're covering like those costs and, you know, we're we're doing well but 
I'm ambitious, I'm excited, I'm inspired to evolve in the podcast. I can see how much is growing. And it's like, if we did three a week, like how exciting would that be? Um, so in and around there, for me, it goes, yeah, I definitely want to grow the team and even not necessarily grow the number of people in my team, but grow what I can support within the individuals in my team with, right? Like enable them to go from freelancing for this to be their like whole full-time thing would be such a dream. Um, but in there, I recognize that cash flow really is the lifeblood of the business, it seems. Um, I can see you nodding. So let's bring that into the model conversation. How do you pick a model when, especially for some of the people tuning into this, like say if you've got no fucking idea just where to start, like really, and then it's like, okay, now I need to know a model when I know very little about business in and of itself. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry, I know there's a, I'm asking the question from a couple of angles, but I'm trying to be useful here. So I promise. Well, I, can, I mean, I can help you out. Cause I've, yeah. I've yeah. Cause I've, I will just add this in cause I've got a model right now, which I sell coaching. Right. But I'm also second baby's due <laughs> touch wood, um, end of Jan. And I'm looking at it and already going, Oh, I'm selling time for money. And this doesn't, necessarily this is not scalable anymore um i was as perfect for where i was and now but like it's not going to get me from where i am to where i'm going and i've realized really quickly and kids is super clarifying in that for your commitments right that this is not the model actually the one that i've been impregnated in so i'll just add that in there to sort of say yeah model's important and uh, your advice on how to select the right model yeah, well, firstly, I uh, acknowledged it, that share there. It's really uh, good of you to do that on behalf of your audience as well uh, because they will be able to relate to that. It's the most common thing I get. Like, yeah, I'd love to hire all these people, but I can't afford it. Okay, so can't afford it because the business model isn't paying for it. So that is a really good place to start. Uh, I can totally relate to everything you're saying too about the vibe and everything else. As it turns out, uh, I actually built up quite a big team when I – got the hang of it you know when I hired my first uh, VA after reading the four-hour work week I applied for your man in India but they were chalked up for the next three years because of the Tim Ferriss effect and I ended up going down the path of the Philippines and I wasn't sure what I'd have one person do for me because I was pretty hands-on right I'm very capable as it turns out because I'd already taught myself all this stuff and I got that person on and and then Within a year or so from then, I had uh, 67 people in my team. So I kind of went went pretty bold with it. Uh, uh, later on, years later, seven years later, I sold two of my business divisions and uh, 38 of them went with one and 12 went with another. And I kept a core. So I've got six people in my team and they're full-time with me and they're all in the Philippines. And I really relate to what you said about you want to, you know, you care about them and you've got the vibe the newest person in my team has been working with me for 10 years. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, the, some of them have been working with me for um, I think about 13 or 14 now, which is about to click over 14. And, you know, we're, we're like family. They've... they've um, I just caught up with them actually at the, our team retreat in the Philippines. We went and hired a uh, compound in Zambales and we all, you know, made coffee. I made them all coffee and and uh, they were amazed because Starbucks is a gold standard over there, which isn't hard <laughs> to exceed. And uh, and anyway, we, uh, you know, we hang out and talk and we, we, can, we know each other so well. They know every, every single fibre of my life and business from financials through to everything, every single word I say on every single podcast, even when I talk about them. Like now, they're going to find out about it, right? We're close. Uh, but I, I want, and I've said to them, I want to be able to provide you a, a fantastic lifestyle and opportunity for as long as possible. That's our duty with our business to carry that. And the thing that you can really relate to, Amrit, is you and I have some very similar preferences and styles. I, I mentor people and I've coached people. And um, the real the real difference for me was um, in 2008, not long after I quit my job, I, I was driving a lot of traffic to an affiliate offer. And in some days I would be spending thousands of dollars a day on ads and I'd be making thousands of dollars a day back in sales. Uh, the goal was obviously to break even. If I spent $3,500, I wanted to make $3,500 worth of commission. Uh, sometimes I'd make $5,000 or $7,000 in commission. I was really good at buying traffic at this point. But the company that I was sending the traffic to, they had problems with fulfillment. I actually sold more of their stuff than they could supply and then they had all this this run of cancellations and then they got a bad reputation and then they went broke. And so... Uh, you can imagine I'm there basically I'm spending fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month on my Amex with ads, and then a month or so later, the commission didn't come. So I'm like, okay, this business model sucks. <laughs> it's just too high risk. And I have to check my stats every day at two o'clock like a day trader. Like this is this is too high tension for me. I want lack of drama. That's that's and my I'm just goal. Gonna jump in there, one of the things as well is like noticing that, you know, where you're not in control of our business as well in some way, right? Because you're leveraged out to someone else can struggle with fulfillment and then, you know, yeah. It's good and bad. Um, it's actually a really easy path. It's how I got my start online is having someone else take care of the hiring, the training, the fulfillment, the dealing with the customers. It's, being an affiliate is a glorious business model and I still do it to this day. I make six figures a year just from affiliate income. Uh so put that down in your little th- list of things to do for Amrit. You should at least gain back some of the energy of all the database and audience you've built by in the minimum having a sponsorship or promoting something as an affiliate and you'll get tens of thousands of dollars back uh, potentially even every month just from what you've already built as a it's basically just collecting energy off the flow like a like a paddle paddle wheel in a river gaining electricity for the water that's already flowing. Yeah. So the affiliate structures we for the guests that we get on, like say if like I'm a Gene Keys guiding coach, we've had a few of those people on. And if we, you know, prescribe 
people and we we say this in the podcast as well if you click the link it helps support the podcast really appreciate you doing so um and so those affiliate structures exist but you literally have just called me out i literally just started an educational program on landing my first sponsor for the podcast so yeah we're literally working on that right now as well so thank you yeah look there's a lot you can do with it if you want to make more as an affiliate then it's great to mention on the podcast but as you know like People, it's a big stretch for to, to expect someone to listen to it and then go to a browser and type it in. What I would be doing is make sure you put that affiliate link in the email. I would put in the PS. If they click on the PS, I would actually tag them in my email system to send them six or seven follow-up emails that are specifically tailored around that offer. And we know they're interested because they clicked on the link. So it's semi-permission based. They're right, already you on your the list. PS because it's all the way down the bottom at the end. Exactly. And, and it's a very powerful piece of real estate. So if you, what's the outcome that someone would get for this offer that you were promoting? They'd, uh, they'd be able to join the Gene Keys online guide, like online retreat, basically, which is a, usually it's a six month retreat of self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and that's good because? Well, fundamentally it, it's useful for them because the conversation around how to find our purpose can be such a nebulous one. And it helps them actually, they pump, pump in the, like their date of birth and their details online and it's based on astrology, which is kind of weird, but everybody that's done it actually is beyond surprised at how accurate their, their chart is. And then from there, they go along on this journey with a community, cannot understate how powerful the community is. And every week, every month you go along and you contemplate these areas of your life bit by bit by bit and you learn more about yourself, you learn more about your relationships, you learn more about your purpose depending on which retreat you're doing. Perfect. So in your PS, you talk about that um, something like along the lines of, um, do you know your true purpose in life? Question mark. Right. Click here. They'd click on that. Now they're tagged with a wants to know their purpose tag in your email system. And now you can send them a follow up. Say I was recently speaking to a guest, James Ramco, and in that podcast, we mentioned something about life purpose. And it it uh, prompted me to feel like to realize that maybe not everyone on my in my audience actually knows um, their life purpose. So that's why I want to just share some details with you. And you could put bullet, 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 and some really interesting outcome. Um, the surprising way astrology can uh, dictate your your outcome. The 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 phenomenal community effect. You know, if you'd like to know more details, go here. And then what I would suggest is you create a bespoke piece of content with that partner on a page with a video and just have a little mini, uh, a mini discussion, like take your whole podcast and break it down into just, you know, six minutes or 10 minutes. So I have a very similar thing to you. I've got a friend, he lives near me. He, he met me in the surf, but he knew of me. He, he came up to me, are you James? I'm like, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he teaches people their vision, right? He helps them find their perfect life vision. And so I've done this. I've actually had him come around to my house. We sit down on and record on a camera and I just ask him like who needs to know about this what what's your process like what um what are the what are the downsides and I talked to him and then we put that up on a page like three or four videos and then I put in my PS hey if you'd like to you know come up with your perfect vision of life click here and they they look at the page and then of course if you want to go a little deeper you could actually pixel people who visit that page and now you could run ads on Facebook just for those people. It'll cost you like $20, but you're only advertising to people who are very, very interested and you can then start to bolster your affiliate. Circle back so, on them. 
Yeah, my point is whatever affiliate commission you're making with a little call out in a podcast, you could 10x that just with the leverage. And this no, this sort of falls under the category of knowing what to focus on. Zoom in on the people with intent. They've told you they're interested because they clicked on the link and then have a campaign just for them. So little mini campaigns. It was 10 years ago I shared this idea at Entrepalooza because they wanted to know how did I sell so much Entreport? I said, well, I just put a PS, you know, uh, by the way, this email was sent using Entreport. People would click on it and then I'd send them like follow-ups, how I'm using it, a little tip to do this and a hack to do that. And and uh, if they buy Entreport through this link, let me know because I'm going to send you my little playbook for extracting the best results out of it. And it just sold like hotcakes on recurring affiliate commission. There's a big hint there, recurring. Yeah. Affiliate commission and programs. Yeah, software. Software has <laughs> been my bread and butter for, for recurring commission. So uh, let's see, we went off the track a little bit before. We were talking about models. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking about, about models. models. So um, as a result of what happened to me uh, with this affiliate thing where it went, when it basically I took out the company by being too much traffic. It was, it was January in 2009 that I started my recurring subscription income for coaching. So I had a, basically a monthly amount that I would have people pay me for. And since 2009 until about two years ago, I had 500 members in that community paying every single month, like forever. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's the greatest way to harness expertise or leverage. Uh, I noticed on your website, Amrit, because I went and did – some research that uh, it's beautifully made, by the way. If you if you're the one who did that, uh, I noticed that you have one to one coaching, and I and I immediately realised, well, there's some limitations to that because Emirate only has a certain amount of inventory each month, and I'm going to guess for most people it's about 160 hours. So how you sh- how you spend that time inventory is very important. I won't sell my time by the hour, but I will let people pay a retainer. That's one way. To be uh, to have access to to my mentorship, or, and this is now half my income, I will partner up with someone uh, in a performance deal, where they will pay me an upside of me helping them grow their business. And if I can't grow their business, they pay me nothing. And it's a very humble percentage too. And that that deal works well for me. I'm very very highly leveraged. It can end up being thousands of dollars per hour for me because I'm now getting paid for my knowledge and my distribution access. I can, I can introduce my partner to my audience. So it's like a super affiliate deal, but I can also coach that partner and how to actually take the right steps in their business. And um, an example, I had one of them was doing $35,000 a month when we started, and now he's doing $135,000 a month. Now, if I just collect a small percentage, even if I got 10%, of the upside, that's $10,000 a month. Okay. And now he's making an extra $90,000 a month than, than when we started. So he's actually pretty happy too. I think he's pretty grateful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And, and I quite love it as well. So uh, in short, business model for you, if you're a coach, expert, author, or you know something about something, an alternative to selling your time by the hour is to sell a retainer. Uh, and I would encourage you to look at ways that you can uh, talk about group. There's a bit of an irony here, Amrit. In the last chunk of our discussion, you mentioned two things that are actually diametrically opposed. 
you, you said you coach one-to-one and then you told me about all the power of a community and I'm thinking, well, is there a possibility? Why don't, why don't you do that for yourself? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Could you actually create a powerful community where people could leverage and share with each other? Because you said you like the vibe. You said you want to get to know people. Wouldn't you rather have a small community that you're vibing with instead of the one-to-ones? Now, I want to just state this is very, very important. I've done I've done private mentoring since, uh, well, since 2010. So, uh, for 13 years, I've got some one-to-one clients and they pay the most and they just get me by themselves. But typically, these people are running multi-million dollar businesses. They don't really care that much about having a kumbaya with other people on a call. They just want it to be all about them and they want to pay for that. I get it because I go to my local gym and I pay a guy called Chad and it's just me and, and Chad and, and my wife in the gym. Uh, that's it. There's no one else. So we're not sharing. We're not doing a circuit with 17 other people. He's just focused on me and my technique. And I like that. So it's good. There are people who are, who are into that, but I'd say by far and away, Chad's greatest amount of income comes from the group trainings he runs in the mornings and the afternoons where people are happy to pay a little less and to share. So could you come up with a program for your business where it's small groups even, uh, and, and I run four calls a week and typically there's five or six people on each call and they like each other and they know each other. And, and I actually enjoy that more than the one-to-one calls because we have a good dynamic going and it's a great vibe and it's more fun and interesting for me as a mentor to be sharing at the same time than just to have that sole focus, but I still do it. So I actually participate in those three tiers, one-to-one, small group, and interestingly enough, my original community, the the lower ticket sort of everyone together group, that's now in its smallest phase that it's ever been. But it's also the least interesting to me than it's ever been, right? I like working with high achievers. And the the best achiever so far has now got, he's built a business that's worth somewhere north of $300 million a year. And it's exciting to me to have seen that journey over 10 years. And the longest student that I've had has been, uh, coaching with me for about 14 years so it's it's good to see that growth progression yeah wow thank you so much for calling that out i'm going to speak to my own um resistance and pain point in there is i've convinced myself that the coaching i do which is life leadership career coaching that it's very bespoke tailored to the individual and they show up in their one-to-one calls open, vulnerable, ready to share their shit um, in need of a better way of putting it because there's no one else in the room. Um, and that may be a limiting belief that I'm happy to have you bust for me right now. Um, but I'm yeah, just opening that up because that's my biggest resistance is that if I was to create um, the same thing that I'm creating, which it sounds amazing, you know, we have a bunch of people that I'm currently coaching rock up to community calls and turn it into a community um, coaching and maybe that's not the right way I need to sell it again. So the expectation is clear from the outset. Um, but I'm just, I have limitations around believing that people would get the same value. Um, let's yeah. talk about that. Okay. Well, let's, let's hit that. Uh, would people share? So, uh, the first thing we should acknowledge is that you're telling me all this vulnerable stuff on a public podcast, right? It's not just <laughs> us. So, there is the possibility that people are willing to share beyond just a small audience of one to one. Two, 
is ah well wait 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 that was really fucking profound sorry (laughs) that just caught me off guard yeah interesting very interesting sorry that was really useful for me to hear like you're you're the host of your own show and you're telling me you know your struggles to keep the team member to grow at the level level that you want and you're asking for help but i mean i imagine more than just us are going to listen to this call so i mean it's kind of busts the myth down straight up um two I mean, it might let some pressure off your shoulders, right? As you realize the answer is probably just in front of your nose. Um, and the, the benefit of, of talking to someone like me is I've seen it all before. I've heard every possible objection to this and I've practiced this in my own business. So the fact is I've been able to generate a, a fantastic business by over time making all the mistakes, rearranging things and getting it to the, the point that it is now. Second thing is I had a client who sold a product that helped um, with uh, erectile dysfunction and it was like a um, – and I would have thought that it would be incredibly hard for him to get testimonials, but not yeah. true. This guy had <laughs> testimonial after testimonial, real names and pictures of people saying, I've, I've got this product and now I can keep it up all night and I – and. It wasn't I'm like surprised. a pill or something. It, <laughs> it was like a, yeah. it was more of like a meditation type information product, and I was I was shocked. People people will share stuff that I wouldn't have expected. Um, three is in my own community. I do have people in small groups who share amazingly uh, profound things, but there's something that I do that's quite different to almost every coaching program. And when people first hear about it, they think this is a bit unusual can you explain it and this is this is what i do it's what i don't do that's different almost every program out there they record the calls and i do not record the calls it's like you come to the call it is a private cone of silence what is in the call stays in the call i will not record the call i will not publish it to the internet no one joining next week can listen back to this call because it it happens and then it goes so you can say whatever you want. And it works for me too. I can really just be so clear and present and not try and filter myself or worry that it's going to be published later or that it could come back to bite me on the ass or whatever. And the fact that it's that private and over time people get to know the other players in the room, um, they actually, I, I feel like when someone shares something really deep and vulnerable, it actually helps the other people want to share more. And then suddenly they're all chipping in and it's, it's like really profound power there in being able to get that thing off your shoulder and let other people give you some acknowledgement and to hear you properly and to help you discover, you know, what is it that you actually need that you're, that you're not able to confront. And sometimes I've found the other people in the call are able to approach it with some empathy or a similar situation that allows it to come out better than if it was just me. Wow. Uh, And I'll give you another point. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. There's no reason you can't run super private stuff and charge plenty for it. Um, Once you work out your effective hourly rate, you'll work out how much you need to charge. So for example, uh, if people want private mentoring with me, for the for the most part, it's like three thousand or five thousand US dollars per month, and they're going to get a couple of half an hour calls. But if they value the wrong thing, which is the time, then then they're going to think that's that's not very good. But if they look at well, how much could their life improve versus where they're at now in a year from now, then it starts to make a lot of sense. And I still include, and this is probably really important context, 
even for my small group, I still improve. Pri- I include private one-to-one chat. That has been the feature in my app or my membership that has made all the difference because they can pour their soul out. They can make me a Loom video. They can record an audio uh, for me, just me listening to it. My team don't see it. I never publish it. And basically, they still get the one-to-one in between. And then the weekly group call is is like a... Um, a celebration, uh, overcome a challenge and accountability, and they can decide how much they want to reveal themselves. In the chat, yeah, I love that. I, I use Facebook Messenger or Telegram with all my current clients as a as a continuation. I've slowly started to realize actually that I used to think the calls were the most valuable, but actually it's the chat because they can drop in whenever they want between the calls and it moves. We catch up in the call and we've already been discussing all months. Um, and some months they're just chilling and some months it's like super intense. So, you know, they get the opportunity to dial in. So, yeah, even the way I was – yeah, structuring the offer these days is like, it used to be, oh, these are the calls that you get and then you get chat access and you get community. And now it's like, actually, we're on 24-7. You and me, side by side, in the chat, whenever you need, I'll respond to you within 48 hours, right? That's my commitment to you. And then, you know, yes, there's a couple of check-ins every, and so, yeah, that pivot that you're encouraging is, yeah, I think you're just accelerating what's already precipitating in my end. That's That's awesome. The... Yeah, the the small group thing, sorry to sort of just harpen in on it for a sec, because I know we are going to go from, from model into focus, um, but I think we're sort of talking around it a little bit as well while we're here. But It's all interrelated, the, yes. The thing that I've, yeah, so one of the things that I've got in there um, is do I need content? Or people are happy to just jump on, no. jump on. No, calls. I've taken the content out of my membership for the higher level members. There's a few things I've discovered over the 15 years. I've had enough time to see what happens. Uh, one is super, super high level people. The people who are prepared to pay um, thousands per month. Let, let's call if you annualize it. Let's say people who are going to pay thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars a year. They don't really care about other people and they're generally not that interested in downloading gigabytes worth of training. The people at the absolute bottom end of it, the, the people starting out, people who have been educated to, to crave information or whatever, they'll, they'll obsess over it. They'll, they'll actually want to log in, download as much as they can and then turn off their subscription before it rebuilds. So that we're at the complete polar opposite end. Don't deal with that type of client. Uh, so I also think with the advent of AI and with the, inflation in the market on i mean it's not hard to get great information on youtube or twitter or linkedin choose your platform people are posting value posts all day long you know like we publish videos every single day gold nuggets um there's there's other players out there that, that practically give away free training and i do too i got about 10 courses for free on my website without even opting in there's so much inflation there i don't think courses are High value. I certainly don't think interviews with experts behind a paywall are that valuable at all because you can get world-class studio productions for free on podcasts. So, you know, like this one, of course. And and then um, where the real value is, and, and apparently Ryan Lee coined the three Cs, but uh, well, that's what he tells me on my podcast, but there's the content is one C, there's community is another C. People generally don't want to join a community uh, unless, you know, like I'm on Facebook and there's like a Land Cruiser community and it's good to see what sort of equipment people put on their trucks, but I'm not going to pay for that. And it's something we value later if we get disconnected from it. 
But the coaching part, I think, is where you would focus. And that's where I focus. My sole focus for my sales messaging is they're going to get me. I'm, I'm, I'm their secret advantage. I'm, I'm not an AI robot. I have emotions. I've got experience. I've got real world in the trenches thing. And I've got a network. Um, and I'm and I have empathy, so that's what they're going to pay for. If there are a couple of other people, the question is, you know, will they mind? And I think we've established a case where you might test a scenario that you could put together a cohort that maybe they don't mind. I'm just curious, also, Amrit, how much do you charge for one to one? Yeah, so I've got a couple of clients paying fifteen hundred dollars a month, and those are leaders. And then I've got a couple of clients, uh, well actually a few, more than a few clients um, who are spending anywhere from 350 to 650 a month. The reason I reduce the rates for them is because they're going through a transition um, career-wise and they've found it more difficult to subscribe at a rate which is able to, yeah, because they're literally between jobs. Um, so career transition is one of the focus areas that I've got um, and acknowledging that those people were kind of just on for three months or a four-month window. Um, yeah, I just sort of subsidize it for them to be able to just support them so I can still support them through that period and it doesn't feel like they're going to be left high and dry because 1500 for some of them seems like a bit too much. Um, so I've made the exception in some instances and I'm not wanting to do that long term because I think it's unfair on the people that are paying $1,500 a month. Again, this is a massive vulnerable share for me um, because I think that's what the coaching is is worth and is priced at. Um, but I do make the exception for certain cases. The way I've done that is I've got two levels. I've got a hundred dollars a month, which people can join. They can they can have each other in the community, and they can have access to me in the community. So there's still that option. And the next level up is a thousand dollars a month, and these are US dollar prices, just for for global standardization. I do the same thing, yeah. And then the next level up is three thousand dollars per month, and the next level up is partners. So. My argument to you is like, well, what about the people who could only afford $100 a month? Why aren't you serving those? I'm not, yeah. Yeah, like you've, you've, you're doing charity, but it's actually compromising you and you're starting to feel shitty about what's happening is they're robbing your time resource for the – they're actually taking $1,500 per month hours and you're, and, and you're selling them cheap at a loss, really. You're selling them below market out of compassion, but it's actually eroding your ability to, to help. I'll put it this way. Let's, let's just pull back for a second. If you only provided a product and it was $2,000 a month and it was a um, small group or $1,500 a month and it's small group, and then above that you have a $3,000 product and it's pure one-to-one, no one else, and it's just them, and then you have a product that's $100 a month for anyone who can't afford $1,500 a month. You know, they all get each other and you'll do a group call once a month or once a week or whatever, which I still do that for my $99 tier. I still do an ask me anything once a month, which I do record for them. That's, that's what they get. And you can have hundreds and hundreds of people on that, that level. So there's still something for those people. But what that might enable is you can now hire those that dream team for your podcast. You can now podcast three times a week. You can now get the best guests you want. You can now run some ad spend on affiliate promotions to fill your business with income that allows you to actually provide for your next child that's not even born yet without feeling compromised or torn up inside because you're basically taking from your own family and giving it to people who can't afford it. And I would say there has to be a limit to that. 
I really appreciate you calling me out on that. That's really profound. It's kind of like looking in the, the dog, the, those dog pages and say, like, there's all these dogs that uh, need a home or they'll be incinerated. Like, there's just a limit to how many dogs you can house at your house or, or, um, uh, or every single day, like five times a day in the Noosa community, someone, hey, I need somewhere to rent for $300 a week. Um, it, uh, there's, there's no housing in Queensland, apparently. But there's a limit to how many people we could house. Like, and so it's about drawing the line. And what I found, and this, this is really hard for people who are impact-driven and, and empathetic and care about others. If you don't look after yourself, you're not in a good position to look after others. And I would and, and I'd say the internal demon is, oh, I'm being selfish or I'm being greedy or whatever. But the reason I'm still able, I'm still at the top of my game at my age and my time in business because I've preserved myself. I actually emphasize getting good sleep, good nutrition, um, surfing every day. If I don't surf every day, I become grumpy and not as nice a human. So it's important that I look after myself and then I can serve my clients. And you can bet when they're they're paying me to come on board with them, I am showing up for them because I appreciate them and I don't resent them. And so I'd say you're in a little bit of a compromise situation and, and those people, the neediest people who are in transition or whatever that you are catering for at lower than what the market rate should be, they're probably hating on me right now. Like, shut up, James. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't serve them, right? But don't take any more would be my tip. I'd, I'd start progressing your – I'd start changing the the horizon for your business to cater for the next version of what it needs to be, but it won't get there because you've already sold all your inventory mm. and you can't progress. You're actually stuck. So you have to change the business model. That's probably the most important thing. And by the way, that is focusing on the most important thing. And for you right say, now, yeah, that, that is the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. And so in there, the let's dial deeper into focus. So let's just continue running with me as a case study, even though it feels a bit uncomfortable. I love it. Um, the Because there's an opportunity to just can, like, you know, I don't think my rates will be your rates. You've got a significantly greater experience um, under your belt. For I, now. I wouldn't worry about that. I've seen but the, the highly incompetent also- people charge <laughs> fortunes. It's like that was one of the I- <laughs> one of the mistakes I made was I I charged way too little for way too long. I, I actually I left my rates the same for seven years, and I ended up so out of step with the market and with inflation that. Um, and then I started coaching some people who are charging $5,000 a month or six. And I looked at their content and their performance and their results and, and they, they paled in comparison. And I had a real slap in the face. It's like, mm. I, I got to wake up. Cool. I got to change it. So it was two years ago. I started migrating my whole community into the, that middle tier. And I made that my focus. And then it was only a month ago I deleted all the, the funnels that run to the lower tiers. I don't want that lower tier anymore. I don't deal with startups. I don't I don't deal with people unless they're already in motion. And I always refer to this metaphor. Um, you can't steer a parked car. That's just a frustrating way to go about business. I only deal with people in motion. And that means there's a whole bunch of the market I can't serve or I'm not willing to serve. But there's not that many people who only deal with high performers and I want, to, I want to be in that category because I can and I actually enjoy it the most. So it kind of works out for everyone who it works out for. And then there's plenty of providers. And what I do 
back to the affiliate thing, I recycle my traffic who aren't ready for me or aren't a good fit for me back to the people who are. I show them, well, here's someone who deals with startups and they're amazing. Here's someone who teaches this thing that you want to learn that I don't do, the courses, right? This person will show you how to build a course from scratch and harness all the money from your expertise because I don't do that, but they do and they're the best. And so I'm, I'm a trusted referrer now for these people and it works great. And I've got to see their business. I've got to work with them and I know who's good and who's crap. And I want my name to mean something to market. I want to be a good referrer. So you could do that too. I imagine one of your protégés or students or whatever could take on some of the portfolio that you would love to serve but can't get to. And if you're really clever, you might be able to, to, to take a small percentage as your royalty to refer them business and to grow their business for them. And now you've got another income stream that is very leveraged. Circling back to focus, all three tiers need to be built out at the same time. They don't. You could pick, I would just do the top tier. It'd be always my preference. Just pick. Here's a really interesting uh, thing that I've seen play out. 10% of your audience will pay 10 times more. Okay. So if you had 10 mentoring clients paying 1500, one of them would pay 15,000. It's just, it's just this Pareto principle and that's always panned out and it's, it works for me. I have seven partnerships. I've got like 40 people in the middle tier and I, I had 400 in the lower tier. It was like 10, 10, 10, 10, almost it was seven or 8% were the numbers that it's only when you really work hard to manipulate or skew the number that with, with intent and focus that you can just take the cream of the crop. The Pareto principle, we all know, right? The 80-20. So when you 80-20 the 20, you end up with four and 64. Uh, what, what does it mean? It means 4% of the stuff you're doing gets you two-thirds of the result. Uh, 4% of your podcasts are getting you two-thirds of the impact you're having out there. A lot of them are crap and did nothing and some of them are amazing and then you get Not rave reviews. <laughs> Well, I got, I want to be in the 4% for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I even asked you before the podcast, what would make this a good podcast? I, I want to, I want, I've got a specific objective. I want it to be good. Right. And, and so if you can identify what those things are that are making all the impact and stop doing the other ones, and that applies to team, it applies to customers and it applies to your own habits and routines. Um, if you can just zoom in on that, you'll find there's an abundance of time and, and energy available to you if you don't waste it on things that don't pan out. So the obvious one from what you've already told me is let's find out what your effective hourly rate is for your coaching hours and then sell packages that have a, that meet the minimum. And I did that. I pull out a huge piece of paper. I use these big charts here. I'm just going to trash my desk in the effort to make an example here, but get these big pieces of paper. I write down all of my products and then I write down how many clients I've got, what's the revenue, how many hours do I take to fulfill it and what does that equal per hour? And when I did that last, I'm like, gosh, you know what? My one-to-one clients are actually the lowest effective hourly rate of anything I do. The, the most effective hourly rate was affiliates. Second most affiliate was the um, the partners. The third was actually the lowest tier. I'm like, I need to change something. 
So in February of this year, I turned off my one-to-ones. I had 16 one-to-ones paying high rates and I turned them off. And uh, I think I ended up with six staying on that at new rates and 10 went into the group program. And now uh, what does that mean for me? It means I, I saved six hours a week, right? Could you do with an extra six hours a week? And, and by the way, my income's gone up. So it is work less, make more, but it takes effort and, and you have to have a scoring system. So score all of your team members, score all of your customers. I'd actually list down all your coaching clients and identify which ones give you the joy, which ones refer you people, which ones can you get the most profound results from, um, which ones pay you the best. And some of them will be really good, some of them will suck, and most of them will be in the middle. Identify the ones that are really, really good and say, how did I get that client? Where could I get more like that? And you might find, oh, actually, they all came from Mind Valley, or they all came from Eckhart Tolle's community, or they all came from this guest appearance I did. Well, I would do more of that. And I would design your uh, copy, your sales copy or your campaign or however you outreach, whatever you do to clients to, to filter out the ones that weren't so great for you so you don't deal with them again. And for me, that was like startups. They're incredibly taxing. They're, they're totally unknown. They consume a lot of resource. They may or may not be successful and you'll never even know if it was you or not or they won't. They don't generally have the time or the uh, they don't have the funds or the team resource to implement a lot of the great ideas that I have. A lot of so resource constraints, yeah, of course. I'd yeah. rather work with uh, someone who's already winning and help them win more. It's kind of stacking the odds in my favor and mm-hmm. they love it as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Wow, that gives me a lot to go on. And then from there, your idea around team, fundamentally, there's so much we could probably discuss in there, but I think we've covered some really solid ground where it comes to model and um and focus do we need to discuss team well let's just go for the easy ones um the first thing is you've got a finite number of hours yourself so you can buy time Uh, i taught this concept at a private workshop about seven years ago and then one of the other speakers put out a book by that name Uh, so hopefully it was inspired by that but you can pay for someone else's labor and buy time back so Identify all the tasks you're doing that are very easy to get someone else to do, very low cost to supply, which is especially website these days. This, there are a million website designers, right? And it's such a commoditized skill. Very, very easy to find people to help you with that and just pay someone to do it so you can then go and do an extra interview or something. Uh, the sec- second thing is I do prefer to hire full-time contractors and i like the philippines so there's a few clues they are um, sure they're a lower cost but they're actually really good um, capable people with fantastic family values they work on a similar time zone to us in australia but they will work any other time zone and that's just been a repeatable win for all my clients just and you know all the big companies do it already banks and their telecommunications and they've all got back office there that's what they do that's their primary specialty so take advantage of that um, and help them out you're actually really helping them in their community they'll be supporting six people so when you hire there um, you're really helping that community as well and um, don't be a dick i suppose if you've got a team like they're not machines or cogs they're people with with you know they're humans with feelings 
it surprises me when I speak to a lot of employers, I ask them about their team and where their team lives and what dialect they speak. And they say, I don't know. I don't know where they live. I don't know what language they speak. I like, uh, they don't know anything about their team. I'm like, do you even care about them? Like, oh yeah. You know, like, but um, my wife and I run a recruitment agency to find Filipinos and it's astounding how bad some of the employers can be, or like they're quite, um, they can be slow to pay. They could have unreasonable expectations. They can, just be demanding pricks and it's like please be a be a human when you're leading people be compassionate um be fair and be reasonable it's okay to expect good result i'm not saying we should accept sloppy work or whatever but just be very clear in your communication and set things up for success for your team members Brilliant. James, those that want to find out more, I found so much value just visiting your website um, and your podcast, looking at the recent episodes. I think you're a thousand in now. Um, there are so many different topics that you've covered from a range of different things, from SEO to yeah, how to like architect things out, how to like wage. There's a whole different set of conversations that you have there. Um, I'm conscious I could point people in a bunch of directions because there's so much of you online. What's the, the best place for people to, to come follow James a little bit more? Well, it'd be James Shramko on, on any of the socials or uh, the website or just send me an email. If you've got a question and you like you want to know what resource is good or where to get, I've got a really good network, so I'm happy to refer off. Uh, for example, if someone said, oh, I'm in the transition between jobs and I need someone to help me, then I'd, I'd, I'd say, oh, look, I'd recommend you look up Amrit while he's still available uh, because uh, he's, you know, this is what he does. Yeah. James at jamesstramco.com. Yeah, perfect. I'll put the links to that in the show notes below for everyone to come check it out. Ultimately, mate, you really, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Also, one of the things I'll add to the show notes is, the fact that your book is downloadable for free is kind of ridiculous. Um, so that'll be made accessible to everybody in the show notes below as well, please. Um, yeah, work less, make more. I hopefully tuning into this episode, you guys have felt into, yeah, just what's possible. Um, and James, obviously I can only thank you. Um, not just for today's conversation though, but bro, like, Zooming out, there's, like you said, 15 years of experience under your belt, you know, so much that you've had to go away and spend so much time working on. And really just the distillation of the 464 is really a profound concept that, you know, I can thank you for everything you've shared. Absolutely, I will. And thank you for that. And just how much you've taken a, a fine tooth comb to what's going on in my ecosystem and helped me support me with that. And I'm hoping others can be inspired to find out more about how to work with you through that. But then also... I think with the Inspired Evolution now, I've I've done enough of these episodes to be able to just honor you also for your context because content is super powerful, but it lands in a whole different way when someone's carrying the context of it. And I just really appreciate the context that you're carrying around the content that you're sharing as well so gracefully. Thank you so much, bro. I really appreciate you. Oh, that's, that's truly kind. And uh, I appreciate your laughter and uh, the joy and passion you bring to Touch it. it. <laughs> made my day <laughs> even though you don't normally do these on a friday <laughs> well that's it you know like let's not bring that one up again but we'll be fine <laughs> thanks brother thank you so much for tuning into this amazing episode of the inspired evolution without you the inspired evolution tribe this podcast would not be what it is today 
Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 